Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. There you have it. Pay for good journalism. Go to The Athletic. Follow us on the Twitters. Uh, obviously, we got some special plans for you for the playoff run because the Nashville Predators have clinched a spot for the eighth consecutive year, second only to the Pittsburgh Penguins in active current streaks in the NHL. They are going to the playoffs. Now, Adam, we have much to discuss today. And I had all these notes. I had, I had watched a bunch of games. I had all these ideas and questions I was going to ask you. And then the third period happened against Calgary on Tuesday evening. And I took all of those notes. I wiped my hindquarters with them and threw them in the toilet. Because the third period against Calgary is kind of all we're going to talk about today, isn't it? Well, first, I have to do the voice on something. Oh, go for it. You did mention just now that the Predators have um, qualified for the postseason in eight consecutive seasons. (laughs) So let me do the voice. (laughs) Well, isn't that technically untrue because the Predators lost in the qualifying round to the Arizona Coyotes in the 2020 bubble playoffs? Well, yes, they did lose to the Arizona Coyotes in the qualifying round of the 2020 bubble playoffs, but the NHL recognizes any team that participated in the bubble playoffs, including teams that lost in the playing round, as having earned a postseason appearance. So that's what I go off of. That yeah. is why they have an eight-year playoff streak. Which, by the way, is tied with the Washington Capitals for the second longest. I mentioned no other team outside of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which, by the way, 16 consecutive years in the postseason is... I believe is- that is the longest active streak in North American professional sports. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. I like that. Um, so, <laughs> I, congratulations. We're going to start the show because, again, um, we're sort of just, there's no like rundown for this show today. Because, again, I had all these things I wanted to ask you about and had all these things we wanted to talk about. Um, and, and we will discuss some of them 240 goal scorers, so on and so forth. Matt Duchesne is probably going to break Paul Correa's record, as we told you on this show many, many weeks ago that it was possible. Um, there's lots of things, little things we can discuss the matchup with Calgary. We can get into the more details with that. What if, what about a matchup with Colorado, which is also still possible with two games left to go in the regular season. But like, we're like all, all of that disappears when the guy who's leading the NHL in game started limps off the ice and you give up a goal with less than, what is it? One tenth of a second it was to go. Of a second. So all the, the whole rundown is out the window. We're going to talk about hockey today. But first, the gold standard is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Jaspers. That's right. It's Jaspers, folks. This is your Nashville Predators bar in, the, in, it, like in Nashville, okay? You want to watch Preds games? They're guaranteed to play a few more, at least four, in the playoffs. Homer Road, you're guaranteed great drink specials, free parking, $3 beers, $10 burgers at Jasper's on West End. It is a spectacular place to watch a hockey game. You got the NFL draft this weekend. You got NBA playoffs. You got all kinds of reasons to go into Jasper's, the grab and go market. We have told you everything there is to know about Jasper's. They are a proud partner and sponsor of the National Predators. You should be a proud partner and supporter of Jasper's. So go to Jasper's, everybody. Okay. This, this, this week's episode, which is going to be one long conversation without any rundown at all, with no ad is presented to you ad-free by the folks at Jaspers. Okay, Adam, is that cool with you? Works for me. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> the check's still cash. Uh, okay. Where, where where do we start here with this? So the latest report on UC Soros is that he will be out, lower body injury. It was obviously, what, a left leg. He was limping, had a tough time getting through the boards, non-contact injury. And this was about, what, six minutes to go in the game or so um, against Calgary, which was a fantastically heated game. We'll get to more on the matchup in just a second. But he leaves. Uh, obviously, David Riddick comes in, gives up the goal with a tenth of a second left. We thought that meant that the Preds were not going to clinch, but but uh, Dallas eliminated the Vegas Golden Knights later on on Tuesday evening, and therefore it's it, we're, we're basically in here. The Predators are in. So congratulations are in order. I guess we should start there with, before we get into UC Soros, let's start with the expectations. You and I picked them to finish basically sixth. Maybe I think I maybe picked fifth. Maybe you picked fifth. I don't remember, but basically fifth or sixth in the in the division. Uh, they're going to finish probably fourth in the division, but they're going to make the playoffs either way. And that was better than we expected. So let's start with the positive and just say for a second, this team is doing something we didn't expect them to do, which is shatter every record in their se- single season record book and make the playoffs when we didn't expect any of that to happen. Yes. Neither of us picked them to make the playoffs. A lot of my preseason predictions have been absolute shit. And I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at making predictions. Just some reminders. I did pick Luke Cunning to lead this team in goal scoring. And Ooh. instead, Luke Cunning is probably the most disappointing player on the team this season. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly have some egg on my face, but I, I, I know I'm not the only one. And, and there are there are some positive things as you said to take away from this season um namely uh the reemergence of the high highly paid players um Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson and Roman Yossi um but then again if you are a glass half empty kind of person which i i i vacillate between half empty and half full like like um, on a like on like on a personal level well i try to be more optimistic generally but i am a cynic by nature uh <laughs> so i so i tend to think more negatively um or more skeptically um so a lot of predators fans out there have said look they've got all of these records that they've broken they're scoring they've they've shown to be they've shown themselves capable of scoring a lot of goals um but they still needed 80 games to get into the playoffs and they weren't able to do it themselves by clinching it with a regulation win. they needed Dallas to help them out. Now, again, 80 games is a large body of work. It was up and down, but they did enough to get in. Um, but as you said, the, the story here is uh, UC Soros um, because um, without him, without him, because I said this earlier on a family program, but since this is not necessarily a family program, oh yeah, um, I like. I'm it. just I'm going to be less. Uh, I'm going to censor myself less, or yes. not censor myself at all. No, don't. No censorship. We do not if, ban books on this podcast. If you are okay? listening with a small child, an impressionable youth, please lower the volume for just a couple of seconds. Here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> if you see Soros is out. They are fucked. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not laughing uh, 
I'm not laughing at the situation. Although I'm laughing at la- how I say it. Yeah, of course. Laughing is probably the only thing you can do if he is in fact out. Like per- permanently they for the season. Are fucked. So like let's do it again. Like fuck. They are fucked. <laughs> that was way more than three seconds. Let's hope you didn't turn the volume back up with a kid <laughs> too too early there. Um no, I listen, I totally agree. Well, again, we can talk about all these other things and we could talk about the great players playing great and scoring a lot of goals and setting records and the young players developing, this team being ahead of schedule, every single thing that would entail a glass half full, right? All the things we're talking about. Um, overachieving, blah, 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 blah. Here, here's the deal. They are three, four, and three in their last 10 games with one regulation win, and that's all with UC Soros. Yes. That's with UC Soros in net. So 67 starts, leading the NHL. It... it you're right. There's not a better way to say it. This team, and, and I, it doesn't take away from what they've accomplished this year over 82 games. It doesn't take away the trajectory of the franchise big picture. It doesn't change my perception of where this team could be next year. Um, I, you, you know that there's going to have major questions when Derrick Henry goes for the Titans with all these carries, and there's all these questions about these carries, and then he hurts his foot and he misses eight games. And then we have all these questions about UC Soros being a workhorse. Can he do it? And he leads the NHL with 67 starts, and then he gets hurt in game number 80. That like There may be no correlation. It may be unfair. But you know those questions are coming. And with all the good and all the half full, there's no glass at all without UC Soros. No, not at all. And UC has certainly, I guess you could say, declined. Um I don't think he's he, you know he hasn't fallen off precipitously, but he he certainly is not um, as uh, he certainly has not been as good lately um, in the past couple of months as he was in the first half of the season. But when you think about the reasons why this team is where it is, he is a large part of it. Um, last season, when the team turned its when the team turned its season around, as my washing machine plays its little ditty that lasts too long. Um, so you get a little, <laughs> get a little soundtrack here as I, as I record this, um, you can't turn that thing off. I'm not asking like right now. I don't care about right now. I just mean like in I general. Don't think so. I don't think so. If I knew that this is what, if I knew that this was poor planning, I would haven't, I would not have purchased this particular washing machine. <laughs> um, okay. There it's done. Anyway. Um, he's the only reason they made the playoffs last year. Um, yep. and I don't think you can argue that. Um, so even though he hasn't gotten, um, even though he hasn't gotten um, as great goal, excuse me, let me start that again. Even though UC Soros has not played as well in the past couple of months as he did in the first couple of months of the season, all told, he still has put together a Vezina Trophy worthy season. Um, so. I think um, you're right that there are certainly going to be, and look, even before this injury was sustained. Um, yeah, let me give you the numbers. Let me let me give you the numbers real fast. Go ahead. That I've got here. Um, they lost three straight, four out of five. They have one regulation win in their last 10, and they've given up at least four goals in six of those 10 games, and they've given up on average four goals per game in their last 10. A lot of that's defense. It's not all in UC Soros, but they're, they're just they're not they're they're not they're not playing the way they were playing in December and January. It's not even close. And that was 
with a healthy UC Soros. Now, here's my here's a question that I think is fair to ask. Is there a chance this didn't happen against Calgary in the third period? Is there a chance this didn't happen? Yeah, is this is this a non-contact, right? It appeared to be. There was not a really great look at what happened. That's what that's what I thought too, but I'm what I'm asking is could the wear and tear have been building up to something that happened? And only a doctor can tell us the question to that. That's a good question. Um, what I'm yeah, I, I don't know. Because, um, because, so, so here, here, it's the same thing with Derrick Henry. The only way the usage applies to an injury is if it is a smaller injury that grows with time. And and that, I'm not even suggesting that's what happened here at all. Like, or with Derrick Henry. But but that's this would be my answer to people that say, well, look, Derrick Henry got too many carries, he got hurt. Look, UC Saros got too many starts, he got hurt. If someone runs into your knee and hurts you, that's not because you play too many games. That's just an accident. That's just a, an injury in sports. If it is something that got tweaked, that got a hairline fracture that got worse, a deteriorating knee, wh- whatever it could be, right? A tiny bone in the foot, whatever it could be. If it's something that continues to get worse over time and you can't address it because it would take you out for the whole season or a chunk of time or whatever, then it's tied to usage. If it's somebody that just runs into you and hurts you, then it's not tied to usage. Is that, is that fair to say? I I guess, um, you know, certainly, you know, he could have gotten his skate caught on the post as he was trying to move laterally and tweak something. Um, it, it is, it is hard to say. Um, and, and look, there are going to be those questions about whether the predators put UC Saros in this position by playing him to playing him too much. Um, but you know, I, I do think you have to, we would have to have more context. I, I think, but, but do you um, think that the, the, the two, the two general frameworks are accurate though? Yes. Like, like if you if you if you're just skating and you catch your skate on a post and you hurt yourself, like that's not tied to. I mean, I guess sure your percentage chances of doing that go up the more times you're on the ice, but that's not a. My body has deteriorated over time because I'm getting tired, right? Like, like to me, the injury, like with Derrick Henry and with UC, the injury has to be tied to the usage for it to be a part of that. If that that that's how I look at it, at least. So, are you putting? blame on John Hines for this injury. No, 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 not at all. I'm what I would say to, because there are going to be people that do. Sure. Well, here's what, again, this is where the only people that can answer the question are UC Saros and his doctor about, about what, what is wrong and how long, again, if it just happened at the six minute, 32 second mark of the third period against Calgary, then it's to me, it's not tied to usage. If it's something that, you know, Oh, he like tweaked it. And again, this is not what it is, but I'm just saying if you tweak a hamstring in late February, and then you still are starting back to back games on a weekend and it continues to get worse and it deteriorates over the course of the season to the point where you have to be helped off the ice almost, then that is a, medical deterioration due to usage that is on John Hines and the medical staff and UC Saros as a collective. Is that a, is that a fair and smart way to approach it? Sure. 
<laughs> I hadn't really thought of it that way, to be honest with you. Um, like, like let's let's go back to Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry has a tiny little injury to a bone in his foot in week four, and then he gets thirty five carries in week five, and thirty five carries in week six, and thirty five more carries in week seven, and thirty five in week eight, and all of a sudden that little tiny bone problem becomes a tiny little hairline fracture that becomes an actual fracture that becomes an act because he played through it for five weeks. That's a usage problem. That's a, you didn't address the problem when it happened and you've been overused. You didn't let it heal. Right? Yes. If I just run into you with a baseball, if I take a hockey stick and hit you in the face, why would you do that? Well, sometimes I get angry at you, but still we're not, we're a nonviolent show. We're non-confrontational and nonviolent by nature. If somebody runs up to UC Soros and like skates into him at 100 miles an hour and tears his ACL, like that's not a usage problem. That's just a fluke accident that happens sometimes to athletes who play professional sports. So that's yeah. how I think fans should look at it. That is how I would look at it. And the only people that can answer that question of whether or not this was a nagging injury that built up over time or if it just is a thing that happened is UC Soros, his doctor, and the medical staff for the Predators. And I'm not suggesting I know one way or the other. You can clarify that your stance on this as well. I am just saying here are the two sides of it and how I would look at the debate between usage and, and freak accident. That's, 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 I think the responsible way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's worth, it's worth, look, there are plenty of uh, doctors who offer their insight into this. I mean, we see it's it's on Twitter and, and there are doctors who are willing to to talk about these types of, you know, certain types of injuries based on their previous experience. Of course, not having operated on the actual person, you never know exactly what's going on, but it would be interesting to hear from, you know, from sports doctors who, who have dealt with specifically goaltenders and, and how usage affects the, the risk of injury. Um, Yep. I'm just trying to talk a story into existence here, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I, I, this is very – injuries are extremely difficult to, to analyze. They just are because the human body is so different from player to player. The incidents that happen one time are so rare and bizarre and unique to that moment in time. Football, basketball, hockey, baseball, soccer, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I, I have no reason to think that Derrick Henry's injury was usage or that UC Saros' injury was usage until I learn – if it was a, a nagging problem that has gotten worse because of his amount of work, that that's it. Like until I know that I am not blaming anybody. I don't think you should. I think it's just hockey sometimes. And <laughs> in this case, extraordinarily poor timing. <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, all right. So let's have a debate here now that we, cause we, cause that's not what we've been doing. If UC Soros is out and the Preds are, f- you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I would vote for Connor Ingram to start. He's been recalled. He's going to start the last two games. Well, he might start one of the last. He might start one. Sure. Okay. He's going to he'll he'll probably two- start one of them because yes. it's a back to back. Sorry. He will start a game. I, I think Connor Ingram gives him a better chance to win. I think he's a more talented player and I think he's a better goaltender debate <laughs> so I, I you know we haven't seen a lot of david riddick this year because of uc saros's usage say that 10 times fast um but in what we've seen it hasn't been impressive um 
And, and Riddick, when when the Predator signed him, filled the role, you know, was the perfect fit for that backup spot. He was a, a veteran goaltender with starting experience whom the Predators, you know, could rely on for, at the time we thought, maybe 20 to 30 starts, 20 to 25 starts. Obviously, that didn't happen. And he did miss some time early in the season on the COVID-19 list, which did open the door for Connor Ingram to make a couple of starts, um, his first two in the NHL. Um, I understand why you're going with Ingram. Um, you know, perhaps you feel that the Predators are, are, have, are, are already playing with house money, so to speak, playing against either the Avalanche or the Flames. So why not go with the kid? There are plenty of examples of rookie goaltenders who have come out of nowhere and helped teams win. You know, most famously, at least in my opinion, Cam Ward, um, who helped the Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup in 2006. How about Jordan Bennington? Jordan Bennington is another recent example. Matt Murray. Um, I think would also qualify as well. So who is to, who's to say that Connor Ingram could not be the next one? There's also the idea of, well, if Ingram is going to be the backup goaltender next season, replacing Riddick, then why not go with him and get him some experience? I can see that. I can see that as well. But I still have a hard time imagining the Predators going with a goaltender with two games of NHL experience versus the veteran backup who's been on their team all season, even though said veteran backups numbers are nothing to uh, write home about. Um, so right, let, let me ask you three quick questions. Okay. Who is more physically gifted? Who is a more talented hockey player, Connor Ingram or David Riddick? I, I think... I think Ingram probably ha- probably has more accolades than Riddick, though at a lower level. Who's um, who's who's the better hockey player? Well, it's it's hard. I'm not to saying know. who's the more experienced or I'm who's going to well, play I'm better. It's hard to say because no, it's not. It's an easy answer. Connor Ingram is a better player. <laughs> I mean, we we've seen him play well in the American League, quite well in the American League, and we've seen him play fine in the NHL, but. I don't know how we can. I don't know if you can extrapolate two NHL games and games in the AHL to, you, you know, can. Riddick 140 something career starts or whatever it is. No, that, that's fair. You can't. Um, who's played more hockey this year? Who's who's more of a who started Connor, more Connor games? Connor Ingram has played more games. Okay, so Connor Ingram is playing starters minutes and is a starting role and is probably more physically gifted and is the future of the backup position. I think it's pretty obvious he gives you a better chance to win, honestly. Now, here's here's why I would say that is because we kind of know what David Riddick gives us. He gives us yeah. X percentage chance to win, which right now is like about an 80, 88% safe percentage. <laughs> right. I it, What I am saying is I think Connor Ingram gives you the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And Connor Ingram, to me, gives you a chance to be better than that. I, okay. That's all. That's That's my argument. And I mean, this is the NHL. The NHL. You've already mentioned the NHL. Weird things happen with backup goaltenders in the playoffs. It happens all the time. No, it it certainly does. Um, like, I mean, I I think the I think your argument about Ingram having played more is a, is a good one. 
Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant, however, to, I, I'm wondering how that translates. I'm sure there's some sort of statistical model I'm unaware of that can translate AHL numbers to NHL numbers. Um, if you're just looking at the bot, if you're just looking at sheer number of appearances, Ingram is above and beyond Riddick this season. Um, I, but like, if I'm trying to think like they're thinking, 3.6 goals per game. For, that's David. That's David Riddick this year, right? That's just you. You know what he's going to give you, and it, to me, it's not good enough. Ingram, by the way, uh, fifty-four games played this season um, with a with a thirty-seventeen-seven and five record because they separate overtime losses and shootouts in the American in the American League um, with a two-seven two-seven goals against average and nine-fifteen save percentage. Um, but remember, two seasons yeah. ago, he started 33 games because last season he he was in the uh, NHL NHLPA player assistance program, only appeared in five American League games. Uh, but two seasons ago, in the 1920 season, he played 33 games, had a 192 goals against average and a 933 save percentage, a 21 five five and two record. Um, so Ingram is quite accomplished. Um, so. I understand your argument. Absolutely. Um, I just, I'm skeptical that the Predators are going to think that way, though. I I tend to agree with you, actually. Go to Jaspers, everybody. I tend tend to agree with you. I think they're going to play Riddick as well. I don't think it lasts long. I think Riddick will have a short leash. Yeah, I don't think it's going to last long. When they lose 6-1 in game one, I, I bet you there's a different goaltender in, in game two. Now, again, all of this is under the assumption that UC Saros cannot play. Right. What is your what what is your confidence level? Let's just call it uh, insider confidence level that UC Saros is going to play game one against what is probably going to be Calgary, and we'll get to a match a potential matchup with with Colorado as well. Because I'll tell you what, man, those games against Calgary. Hot damn, those are fun, dude. <laughs> like those, those guys, they don't are like fun. Each other. Every game this year has gone to overtime. Every game they played three games. They are two zero and one against Calgary. They won. Five, they've lost five four. They won three two and three two. So not only do they like to fight, and by the way, I know this is sort of a stream of consciousness podcast. Go to Jasper's. Every time I see Mark Borowiecki fight, I, I I sort of feel bad. Is that weird? Well, he he suffered concussion right. last year, um, and when you see him being ragdolled by Milan Lucic, good lord, it, he got thrown it, around. It's not look. Lucic is certainly not the player that he was when the Boston Bruins were winning Stanley Cups or won Stanley Cup. I guess um, he is not that player. Or he he was with the Los Angeles Kings when they won Stanley Cups, if I recall correctly. Either way, he is not the player that he was eight, ten years ago. But you don't forget how to beat the shit out of people, <laughs> and and that's and that's what he did. I mean, what I found interesting was, you know, so I believe Borvietsky and Tanner Janot are tied for the league lead with fourteen fights each, and I think last night or Tuesday was the first time I can remember clearly both of them losing a fight. 
I feel oh, like yeah, both of them have had, I feel like both of them have had the better of the majority of fights that they've had. Maybe there are a few draws in there, but Lucic ragdolled Borvietsky, who is not a small man, and Eric Goodbranson gave it to Tanner Janelle. Um, God, that's the, you're right. I forgot. I didn't. Th- I hadn't thought about that. Now, what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? No, nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. But I did think it was interesting, especially because what was I guess what what had been discussed earlier in the day when Eric Goodbranson was a member of the Predators last season, Tanner Janot drove him places. So <laughs> clearly Eric didn't care for Tanner's taste in music or his driving or what have you <laughs> and decided to beat the shit out of him because of it. But so, I mean, so, look, Tanner Janot has no fear, man, but he, Eric Goodbranson is not a, is not a guy. Yeah. Look, say what you will about Eric Goodbranson. He was very much not impactful for this Predators team no, no. in the playoffs last year, but He's a tough dude, and I wouldn't want to screw with that guy. So let let me let me posit a question to you about those fights, and because this is what happened last year, right? They played Calgary, they played um, Carolina a couple times. You could see the Preds playing with a little bit more confidence. Carolina didn't have much to play for, and you could see there. I think there was a bunch of fighting in that last game of the regular season, and it carried over into a very chippy, very entertaining, very balanced series between two teams that really had no business playing a balanced series, right? Carolina, clearly the, the better hockey team, both regular and postseason. They won the series. Nashville had opportunities to win that, win some more games and maybe push it to seven or whatever. I, Predators went the first two against Calgary, two very different times of the year. So they're very different situations. You win one in November, then you come back and you win one uh, a couple of weeks ago. So Calgary, a first place team, a division champion says, I don't know about this, boys. The, the, the way that they tossed around the two of the most physical players on the Preds and then did what they did at the end, which is, by the way, one-tenth of a second to go. Like, the Predators, it's, to me, it's a mental thing. The Predators had a chance to clinch the playoff spot. I, I know they did eventually, so it doesn't... Again, there's almost all of this is mental, psychological here. They literally beat the shit out of the two strongest, maybe arguably strongest Predators, scored on a t- with a tenth of a second and took a point and stopped them from clinching all in their home building, knowing they're about to play off seri- a series against each other, potentially. To me, that is, not- a, that is a mental statement by Calgary. And let's not forget the, the Matthew Kachuk, Matthew Shane kerfuffle. Um, whether could. or not Kachuk, like it's funny because it did not appear. I haven't looked at it recently, but last night when I saw it, it did not appear that Kachuk did that did that on purpose, but knowing Matthew Kachuk and the game he likes to play, it would not shock me at all if he did it on purpose and was able to mask it um, in such a way. But Matthew Shane took the bait, and I disagree with the idea that he got two penalties out of that and Kachuk got one, but Kachuk did exactly what he is known to do. He got in Matthew Shane's head. Would you rather play – is there any part of you that would rather play Colorado? No. I mean, as a as a as a pure objective observer, take my Predators fandom hat off and say which series do I want to watch? I think it would be Calgary. Uh, but they've played well against Colorado this year too, and I I wouldn't be I I I would not be so quick to say that they have a better chance to beat Calgary. I do think they have a better chance of beating Calgary because the games have been so tight. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the numbers from last night's game. Um, 
it's been a while since we've seen them play the uh, the Avalanche. We'll see what happens on Thursday. So I'm looking at so last night's game was actually not as tight. Um, it didn't it, at least. Um, let me look after three periods because that's what matters really. Um, you look that up. I'm going to say this. Everybody out there who's a Predators fan, you should go to Jasper's on West End. They have great drink specials for Predators games, and we know we're going to get a playoff series against either Colorado or Calgary. It's going to be super entertaining, and you're going to want to watch it with your buddies. I've been watching the Memphis Grizzlies games, by the way, at a, at a local watch party in East Nashville. Probably should have invited you now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're a big NBA guy. Um, and it's fun. It's much more fun to watch a team at a sporting event, like at a game, at a bar. With your buddies who are all Preds fans. So go to Jasper's Free Parking, Great Food, Great Drink Specials. What were you saying? I was saying, okay, so here are the numbers. I wasn't able to get it after three peri- after three periods. So here are the here are the final numbers for the game yesterday. Uh, it was 5-4, of course. Shots were 38-23 in favor of Calgary. This is all situations. Uh, <laughs> slot shots on net, 15-5 in favor of Calgary. 11-6 um, edge in chances off the cycle for Calgary. 7-1. Scoring chances off the rush advantage for Calgary. Uh, some of that damage was done on the power play. So that's because that's all situations. But this game actually was more lopsided analytically than I anticipated. Um, but I feel like the other games have been pretty tight. Um, so, I, I, you know, how much can you take away? It's, it's okay. Like, I think when they beat Calgary in a shootout last week, you know, the caveat was, well, the Calgary Flames were playing on the second half of a back-to-back with their backup goaltender in net. Yep. And and last night they were playing rested, but with their backup goaltender again. Um, how much can we take away from Colorado-Nashville on Thursday with one of David Riddick or Connor Ingram? In net? Well, <laughs> I mean, we, I might, we might have no other choice, but... I think there's little to be taken on the Colorado side of things because I think they don't, like... Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not really playing for anything, right? Like they don't have a chance at the president's trophy. I don't think. Um, that's a good question. I think, I think the president's trophy might still be up for grabs. Um, I can pull it up. So they, as of recording, Florida has 120 points. Uh, Colorado's got 118. I guess in theory, they both have two games left to go. In theory, Colorado could win the win the president's trophy, but like, there's literally nothing to play be played for in the central or in the western conference. So correct. And you're going to be playing with again. Now, here's what you can take from it: if they play, this is this is going to be a fascinating chess match. If they do believe that, because they still have positioning to play for here, the Predators do. And yes. we know Soros isn't going to play in either one of them. So, which one do you use, Ingram? Which one do you use, Riddick? And which one do they think is better? Because <laughs> it's the old, it's um, the thing we've talked about this year, where sometimes you play the the bad goaltender against the good team in the back to back, right? And so yeah. what do they do? I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't know how much we can read into what they decide to do at goal against Colorado or, Riddick, or what my, actually happens in the game. My prediction would be Riddick against the Avalanche and Ingram versus the Coyotes. I, I think that he, here's what that tells me. You want Ingram to have some confidence. Right. And you want, you and you want, want Riddick, Riddick to have some confidence by saying you're our guy now. No, no, no. Not if you get beat. Play, and you're going to play the top team. Yeah, not if you get beat. Not if you get beat six to one. <laughs> what what I mean it tells you what it tells me is you want Ingram to gain some confidence and you want Riddick to be tested, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps I think, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, I think that's this fair. is. I mean, the 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 Predators are going to be the last team, the last visiting team. 
to play at Gila River Arena because oh. it's because I mean so there's gonna the there's right. a lot of history in that building, obvi. So not really. I mean, the, well, the Coyotes, a lot of the, the, Coyotes, the Coyotes did beat the Predators in the playoffs. In I, I was going to say a lot of the history took place down the street, though, at some local establishments. But that's a different story. Yes. Um, they so the Predators lost uh, November twenty seventh, six to two to Colorado. They beat Colorado Thursday, December sixteenth, five to two. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were shorthanded. Both teams were shorthanded in that, that game. Was, basically, that was that was one of the uh, Carl Toby Taylor games. coach games. Yeah, if I recall correctly. So they beat Colorado. Then they beat Colorado in overtime 5-4 at home. Yeah. This will be the fourth meeting. So they, they've won twice against Calgary and twice against Colorado in, in six games. So mm-hmm. it's not like they haven't played good hockey against these two teams. And I'm not – this is the NHL, and if UC Soros is healthy, anything can happen. I wouldn't put a victory in a series past them at all. Again, and let, let's spend just a second here on some positive stuff. Okay. Which is <laughs> Mikhail Granlund. 51 assists, four shy of the previous record. Roman Yossi, 93 points. Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne both have 42 freaking goals. They have obliterated Victor Arvidsson's record. It's the first two 40-goal scores. It's happened in the same season, and there's still two more games to go. Matt Duchesne has 84 points, one away from Paul Correa's single-season record prior to Roman Yossi breaking it, and Philip Forsberg has 82 points. The power play this year has been the best power play since when? For the Nashville Predators, ever, ever, I agree. Well, I, I believe when the I Predators' be- power play was shitty. Yeah, it was a long time ago, under the Soviet spy Laviolette. I did, I did enjoy <laughs> that uh, that interview with Pete Weber, by the way, particularly uh, if, that part. If you're a Predators fan, um, uh, <laughs> go check out Lamestream Sports Podcast. Of course, uh, the great Pete Weber was on, told a lot of stories. We had a lot of. Uh, Highlight bloopers from Terry Crisp, which are fantastic to listen to. You should go hear that. Um, who's the old Soviet coach of the team that lost in, in uh, Lake Placid? What's the name? Boris, uh, Boris uh, Tikhanov? Is that right? Tikhanov. Yeah, that sounds He right. compared Peter Laviolette to Boris Tikhanov. That's all you need to know. <laughs> go check that out. And Pete Weber refused to give Lavi questions, which means Lavi asked for the questions <laughs> for, the, for the interview. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. All right, what were we talking about? Oh, good positive things. Great, best power play maybe in franchise history. Best goal scoring in franchise history. Highest scoring team in franchise history. Greatest single season by a player, Roman Yossi, in in franchise history. Make the playoffs when they weren't supposed to. Like, a lot of things to celebrate about this team when we look back historically. If they get run out of the building in a playoff series, it's not gonna, no one's going to do that for at least five months. <laughs> no, it's... Uh... It, look, there is a lot to like, um, and I think a lot of players deserve credit. I think John Hines deserves credit. Um, I think um, the way I was thinking about things heading into this postseason before the Soros injury was, and we can wrap, we can we can conclude on this. If Soros is healthy enough to play in Game One. How f- how far do the Predators have to go in the playoffs for you? Because I can't, you can't speak for everybody. For you to be convinced that this competitive transition rebuild, whatever it is, is actually working. Like, what what do they have to accomplish for? Do you think that their consumers can say, okay, I can get on board with this? I think it is a great question. And I think we're going to spend a lot of time next week on this, probably previewing 
I mean, we might be out a little early next week. What, do we know when the game first game could be? Is it, is it, is it Thursday? I, I, no, it might be before then. But so, um, we'll but have an, we we'll have a show be before we, we will yeah. have a show on this feed before the season the series starts with whoever they're playing. Probably, you know, it sounds like probably Sunday or Monday. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. Make sure we get it to you. And that is a an important question that we will spend more time on answering. My short answer for the for the sake of this conversation to, to wrap up this episode is to say to you. And to all you guys out there listening to us, they've already done it. They've already accomplished more than I. They've already accomplished more than I expected. Interesting, because I, I think I don't. I I think there are going to be people who agree with you, but I don't. I, I think you're going to be in the minority. But you know me though. Like uh, you're you're the one who like s- takes wild swings at things from week to week. I'm the one who like. I just I I don't I try to keep a, a very big picture look at it. And by no means can you describe this season as a failure. They could get swept 0-4, even with Soros in net. And you cannot define this season by any metric as a failure. It is impossible to do. Yeah, you know what? Tell tell me how it's a failure. It's it's hard. I don't think it's a failure. But I also don't think a lot of people are going to be convinced that it's a success unless they win a playoff round. Um, mm. And and even then, I mean, I am willing to say if they give either Colorado or Calgary an incredibly competitive six or seven game series where every game is decided by one goal or two if it's an empty netter or something, then I think people. Then I think I would be convinced. I think anything short of that, I, I think you know the the pitchforks will be out again. Unfortunately. Well, and that's okay. Fans can do that. That's their job to overreact and microwave their hot takes and you know eat empty calories on Twitter. That's fine. Like they they can do all of that. That's what fans are allowed to do. They are entitled to it. Uh, I would. I think our job is to step back and say like take a bigger picture view of the team. Cause I don't think like playing really well in six games, but losing changes how I've defined the season. Like uh, there in, in no way can you, like if the competitive rebuild for a team that was supposed to be one of the worst in the division turned out to be one of the most productive seasons and a playoff season. I don't know how you argue. It wasn't exactly what David Poyle called it, a competitive rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean they're going to, again, this is, this is always the caveat, right? Big picture view. It doesn't mean John Hines is good enough to win a cup. It doesn't mean this team is good enough to win a cup. It doesn't mean that, you know, David Paul doesn't have to hand over the keys as general manager at some point in the near future. It doesn't mean any of that changes. It just tells you that they rebuilt this team, traded off huge pieces and still made the playoffs with record setting offensive production. There you go. There you go. Oh, by the way, shout out Austin Matthews, 60 goals. Only the third person in NHL since 2000 to score 60 goals. He, if he passes, uh, he's tied with Steven Stamkos right now with, at 60. The only him and, and then Ovechkin in 2008 did it had 65. If he can get a couple more, uh, one of the one of the greatest goal scoring seasons in modern NHL history by an American. I just thought we'd point that out. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, end the series right now. If it ended today. Uh, Dallas at Colorado, Nashville at Calgary, Minnesota at St. Louis, the Kings against Edmonton, very different styles in that one, Washington at Florida, which would be very juicy, Boston at Carolina, I could not possibly enjoy a series more, I think, than Boston and Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh at New York, that's an old, like, those are both original six teams, right? Um, 
and then Tampa and Toronto. I, sorry, Toronto. <laughs> that is ripe for an upset <laughs> and another first round exit for the Maple Leafs. Uh, but we'll do all that next week on the show. Right? We'll talk all eight series. We'll talk. This, we'll preview the Pred series. We'll have some. We'll, we'll finish the discussion about defining the season, the competitive rebuild, all that good stuff. Make sure you go to Jasper's. Of course, the parking is for free. The food is great. The happy hour specials for Predators fans are tremendous. $3 beers, $10 burgers, and of course, the gold standard cocktail named after this here podcast. Adam, where can people find you and pay for good journalism? On theathletic.com. And at Adam Bingen on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Trademark trademark snark and Simpsons giffery. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. At Adam Bingen. My name's Braden Gall. Let's hope for some good news, folks, for UC Soros, because let's say it together, Adam. If UC Soros is not playing for the National Predators, they are... Uh. <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week everybody this has been the gold standard here on the 440 podcast network